the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Special guest with us here uh, for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, the deputy assistant to the president, Hogan Gidley, is going to join us. Yesterday, the uh, governor uh, was in Washington, D.C. He got to meet with the president. Now, we're going to be we're, we believe in transparency here on the on the show. Hogan Gidley is an Arkansan uh, by blood. Uh, he's up in Washington, D.C. right now, but he's uh, from El Dorado or El Dorado and uh, is uh, going to join us today and uh, and talk about that meeting. And he worked with Governor uh, Huckabee. So uh, bottom line is he knows all about us here in Arkansas. So I'm, I'm sure he'll have a much uh, Arkansan view of uh, what went down yesterday. So how did it go yesterday? I mean. Uh, did all 50 governors come in, or was it just the Republican governors that went in? Uh, well, actually, we have a Republican and a Democrat. We had the uh, governor of uh, Kansas as well, and then we slapped on an A and an R and brought in Arkansas, too. And uh, okay. it was a really good meeting because, uh, you know, the president's been meeting with, you know, uh, governors from both sides of the aisle. I think that's important because so many of these states are looking to begin to reopen in some form or fashion. All 50 are now moving in that direction, which is great news um, for, for the worker out there who's looking to, to kind of you know, get their life back in some form or fashion. And while we have, you know, suffered some tragic losses, I mean, your heart goes out to everyone affected by this, by this unprecedented pandemic. So many people um, have lost loved ones, friends and family are, are, are torn apart. Your heart breaks for them and your, your prayers go to those families. I mean, this has been a serious issue. Uh, as we move through kind of the health crisis part of this, though, and as we begin to slow the spread and, and the, the trend lines are now going down in metropolitan areas and other places, you have to look at you know, the, the, the beginnings of reopening the country in some form or fashion as well. And it looks like now, um, you know, the states are doing that because you know, jobs have been lost some in some instances for, for quite some time. And, you know, you can't keep going as a country like this. And, nope. and we're not built to be this way. We're built to get out and work and, and provide for our families. And, and we're also built to socialize. I mean, just from our own DNA. But you have to do it in a responsible way. And all the folks who want to reopen, I mean, it's in their vested interest to open in a way that's responsible, reasonable, rational, so that, you know, it doesn't spike again. So we don't see more uh, illness. We don't see more deaths. So I think the American people have done an incredible job up until this point to listen to the health experts, to listen to the medical experts, to pay attention to the updates by the president of the United States. And, and now we've, you know, we've successfully gotten to a point in which reopening is occurring. And that's a great thing and great news for the American people. Yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly with you, Hogan. I, and it's the thing that I really love about our president is that, uh, you know, I, I, I listen to what he says, and I know as I listen to him, deep in his heart, he feels the same way I do, that the individual American has the, the all with all, the understanding of how to protect themselves. 
I mean, I don't think that we had to tell people to self-quarantine themselves or or not get out in, in big crowds and stuff. I think people were smart enough to do that. I think people are smart enough to wash their hands and things of that nature uh, once they're told that that's, that that's the things that you should be doing. Uh, but I, I watched some governors in this in this country act like many dictators. I mean, seriously, they reminded me of, uh, you know, that Charlie Chaplin's silent movie, The Dictator. Uh, that's the way that they've come off. And, and, and the, the president believes in the American people. And uh, if you ever get a time to, to say hello to him uh, personally, would you just tell him Dave Ellswick said he loves him because <laughs> of that? I love that he uh, well, believes in the American people. Uh, he does. And, and look, uh, having grown up in Arkansas, I, people uh, there understand. They know how to do things a safe way. Like you said, they yep. know how to wash their hands and, and socially distance. And no one's suggesting that when you reopen that you go back to life as normal immediately, right? Like you're going to still have to wear your masks. You're going to have to be a little bit spaced out from other people. But that doesn't mean that we stay in our, our apartments, our homes, um, you know, forever. We've got to begin to, to reopen. Open. I think that's one of the things that the governor spoke about, too, were some of the best practices in the states. What's going on that works? Because, look, what works in Arkansas doesn't necessarily work in Alabama. What works in Mississippi doesn't necessarily work in Massachusetts, Texas, Tennessee. They're all different. And yep. so it's important to make sure that each state come up with its own plan. And it's federalism at its finest. This president said states have the rights to make the, the, their decisions for themselves. And if there's a problem, if, if, if you need uh, ventilators, if you need some of that protective equipment, we're happy to help out. We're there. Uh, we can do this for you because we've rebuilt the stockpile now. We have ventilators by the by the, the tens of thousands. We're expected to have over a hundred thousand by the end of the year. So we've got them in this in this uh, in this stockpile. So we're ready to help out. But you know as well as I do, people in Little Rock, I mean, they want to get back out. I mean, if I were there now and I couldn't go to Loca Luna or I couldn't go to Chow Bachi or some other restaurant, I'd be really upset. You know, I, I want to be there. And, and, and granted, I'll be further apart from. People than normal, but uh, you know we got to get out and live our lives and uh, move forward uh, because you know the devastating lives lost can never be you know made up for by a, a good economy. But now we're seeing a lot of reports. Uh, in the papers and, and on TV that the shutdown itself may end up killing more people than the actual virus because of the suicide rates that are going up, depression, anxiety. People aren't going in for their cancer screenings because they're afraid of, of COVID. They're not going in for their, their heart screenings, um, lung screenings, all the things that they would normally do in regular health care maintenance they're not doing, and that could lead to some devastating results. So we're looking and monitoring all of that, but at the core of this is the American spirit. And while it's taken a few punches along the way, it's never it's never fallen down. It's always been strong, and it's standing up taller than ever, bigger, bolder than it's ever been because we came together as a country. We're going to be better on the backside of this, and it's because of this president's leadership. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about what you just said, people not going in for their checkups. That's very dangerous because the very people that are not going in for their checkups have underlying health uh, problems, which make them more susceptible to COVID-19 and to a, a COVID-19 that could be, you know, uh, bad for their life. You know, I mean, you could kill. So, uh, you know, we got to get people where they'll go back and see their their physicians and not be not be afraid to go to the the emergency room and and things of that nature. I mean, I've heard stories saying that the um, the amount of people coming to a, uh, emergency rooms with 
legitimate heart attacks has fallen, you know, over 50 percent. Well, that doesn't mean that heart attacks have stopped happening. That just means people aren't coming to the hospital. That's not good. Uh, it's not good. Not good at all. It's, it's those comorbidities you're talking about. When you have an, uh, a pre-existing illness that, that, you know, that makes you more susceptible to serious um, injury or death, um, uh, you know, other things from, from COVID-19, that, that obviously is a scary proposition. So it's important that we get out all the proper data. We're dealing with states now on, uh, you know, hour-by-hour hour basis, trying to get information from them so we can find out some best practices they're doing. But also the health data is driving these decisions. And as we've said all along, the science is what um, what's driving the president's decisions. But you know as well as I do, someone in the science field, if you said, how do you prevent outbreak, they would say quarantine, don't go out. Okay, but that's not feasible forever. And if you talk to an economist, how do you make sure the economy stays afloat? Well, then leave everything open. Well, that that's a little tricky, too, because the, the illness was unknown. It was, it was very scary at the time. So what do you do? And this president listened to both sides and said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some of this quarantine uh, methodology, implement it for now. And begin to look at ways to reopen along the way. We're going we're gonna to backfill some people who've lost jobs, who've lost income with PPP loans and other things, uh, making sure that workers are protected, making sure our farmers, our ranchers are protected as well. He did all those things, and now he's looking at the data, and as everything starts to go back down, and look, even with more testing, you know, typically we see a spike in some of these places because the testing is better. That's true. But a lot of these places, I'd say even a majority based on the data I've seen, are now going down. Some of the metropolitan areas that we thought would spike, like or the media said would spike, like Georgia, for example, they're opening and their numbers are, st- and they have great testing, and it's still going down. So it's a major, you know, it, it's it's a it's it's very uplifting. It's very optimistic to look toward the future and say, I think we're moving in the right direction. And when you put on top of that, therapeutics that are moving faster yep. than ever before, and the potential for a vaccine. You saw um, the story a couple days ago that a vaccine is is moving in the right direction too. And when you hear Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci and Dr. Redfield, Dr. Hahn, all of them saying they've never seen the government move move this fast before, that the president is moving in a way that you know, bureaucrats don't move, it's saving lives. And that's the great news about this. Hey, I got one question uh, away from exactly what we're talking about. But let me ask you a question about Fauci. Stories are all over the Internet now about why isn't he showing up uh, on TV as much. I got to believe the guy's just tired of everything that he says being politicized. <laughs> Well, I know Dr. Fauci now. I haven't been in meetings with him for the better part of the last three months. Um, yeah, I, I can't say there are too many people over here happy with the way the media covers them, regardless of how they feel about the media. But at the same time, you know, the reason we're getting closer and closer and closer to, you know, effective, safe therapeutics and an effective, safe vaccine is because these doctors and medical experts and health experts are actually working. They're not you know, spending time doing media tours across the country like so many of these congressmen. I mean, my goodness, even even the Supreme Court is taking, um, you know, opening arguments via the phone. Congress is the only branch of government that doesn't seem to be doing much right now. So, um, you know, uh, he wants to work. He wants to get his uh, hands dirty, roll up his sleeves, and make sure that we get a vaccine in record time. Uh, I have faith in him that he'll do that. But, uh, look, we, we talk to Dr. Fauci. He's here just about every day, if not every day, and he's a valued member 
member of the task force. We have a lot of great physicians on that task force, um, a lot of great economists as we've you know expanded that to small businesses as well. So we have a lot of important um, you know knowledgeable voices that we listen to, and so uh, he's just one of many in the room. But but his work's been appreciated for sure. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I will get back with you, and we'll finish up this conversation with Hogan Gidley. He's the deputy assistant to the president. Uh, I'm going to have him tell you, you know, there's there's this narrative in the press, the left press, that the president hasn't been helping the states out. I'm going to let him just tell you how much, how many different masks and gloves and, and PPE material that uh, the federal government has gotten to the state of Arkansas. It will blow your mind. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hogan Gidley is our guest, uh, deputy assistant to the uh, president. We'll continue and finish up our discussion with him after I tell you about what's going on with our good folks over at David Lucas Financial. They want to save you money. Uh, If you take your Social Security at the wrong time, over your retirement, it can cost you uh, somewhere around $111,000. That is, that's a lot of greenbacks. You don't want that to be happening to you. So what you need to do is to give a call over to uh, David Lucas Financial right here in North Little Rock. If you've saved more than $250,000, if you've not filed uh, for Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis right now at 501-222-3315. Don't be one of the folks that have lost $111,000. Be one of the people who have been proactive and saved $111,000. The free analysis can be done over the phone or video conference. That means you get to keep your social distancing, but you have to call 501 501- 222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through the David Lucas Financial uh, and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, back for the final few moments that we've got with Hogan Gidley. Uh, I got a, uh, a chart that was sent to me, Hogan, about what the federal government has done to help the state of Arkansas not in money-wise, $1.5 billion has helped the state of Arkansas. But as far as PPE, that's the protective gear worn by nurses and doctors and hospitals to take care of the patients that have COVID-19. There is a false narrative that has been portrayed here in this country that this president has not, number one, done enough. I think this president has done uh, a great, great job. And uh, the thing that really irritates me is the story that's not really talked about is how the cupboards were bare when he came into uh, the presidency uh, in, in case something like this happened. And they've been talking about this uh, for decades, about uh, pandemics. And uh, uh, no administration had really done much uh, to uh, prepare for it. This, this president now not only has taken care of the pandemic, but he's preparing as well for the future. Tell my listeners what the federal government has done for the state of Arkansas just over the last couple of months, year to date. We'll, yeah, will do. I will say this, though, as you talked about the money, the $3.3 billion in loans to 39,000 Arkansas small businesses. I mean, that's important right there because yep. it keeps people afloat. I think that's important. But from the health side, um, you know, there were there were – 
there were shortages across this country. People were concerned. They were worried because the stockpiles had not been built up at the federal level, but they hadn't really been built up at the state level either. So we got into each state, kind of find out what, what everyone needed. Uh, we knew what they wanted because they were very vocal about what they wanted. But in the time of a crisis, you have to be more surgical. You can't just dump in you know, billions of pieces of equipment like the federal government typically does without having a strategy. Otherwise, the people who need them most won't get them. And so when you saw you know, Governor Cuomo in New York saying I need 40,000 ventilators, well, we said simply, well, what do you have in the state now? And they didn't know. What capacity do you have to get some? They didn't know. So we had to go find that for them and show them, A, you're not going to need 40,000, but B, you already have several hundred, several thousand in your state, and then we'll backfill whatever else you need. So we had unique partnerships with the public and private sector, and that goes to Arkansas especially. When you needed masks, we got 429,000 masks uh, over to your state. When you needed surgical and uh, uh, procedural masks, you got almost 4 million Eye and face shields, 175,000. Surgical and exam gloves, 97 million of those went into Arkansas. So we have a lot of those things that we just shipped out directly to Arkansas, but we did it not just – you know, dropping it into some warehouse, we made sure it actually got to the frontline workers. We made sure it got to people who actually needed them. That's what's so different here and unique in the way the federal government works. And I have to just point out one thing. That, that, that uh, stockpile we talked about, we did a big uh, kind of media splash with this last week of, of refilling the stockpile. We didn't just refill it. We made it work in a, in a systematic way that they'd never seen before. So it's basically stocked, it's going to be, for 90 days. So that buys every everyone valuable time to find out if there's another pandemic, how do you actually get you know, more equipment in the country like we just did? But, I mean, you're talking about billions and billions of pieces of equipment going into our stockpile that weren't there before. Pharmaceuticals, there were no non-critical care drugs at all. We're going to have $19.4 billion there. Critical care drugs, almost a billion as well. The gowns, the gloves, the eye masks. I mean, we're talking about you had a handful of million, five, four, three million. Now we're at 20 million, 15 million. Uh, uh, you know, 249 million masks. That's the type of numbers that you need to actually protect a nation. And this president did it because he saw what wasn't there. And one piece of this I think is important, and I'll end with this. Project Airbridge is something that the president wanted done because when we started looking at how do we get masks from other countries in this time of crisis, we looked around the world and we had some coming in, but they usually come by boat. So we said, you know, we had government bureaucrats, oh, they're, they're going to be here, they're going to be here. And we said, when? They said, June, July. And we said, no, no this whole <laughs> thing's going to have shifted by June or July. How do we get them here now? So this massive public-private partnership with, with FedEx, for example, right there across the border in, in uh, West Memphis and Memphis, and UPS, for example, um, they started shipping them back in their planes. We started loading up these massive cargo planes. So they'd get here within a couple of days. So usually when a hospital's about to run out of something, right, it would run out and they'd have to let you know weeks in advance. We got it to where all you need to let us know is a couple of days because we can get it to you in a couple of days. Meaning when flare-ups happened across the country, we were able to get stuff to them immediately. And when a big flare-up was coming, a, do- a hospital didn't have to tell us a month out, two weeks out, give us 24 hours. We'll get you exactly what you need. That's what's one of the biggest successes about this. All right, fantastic. I just wanted people to hear about that, uh, Hogan, because the media is not telling them. They're just oh, not no. telling them. And and one thing, I had uh, the governor on last week, and we were talking, and I asked about those phone calls that the president makes uh, to the governors. And I said, how how are those? How do those go? And he says, Dave, 
he works well with every governor out there. Well, you wouldn't know that if you watch CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, and all the rest, because they're telling uh, telling us a different story. They've got the governor saying, oh, he's not doing anything. Well, that's not true. It's just not true. And thanks what's for being most, with what's us most today. Disheartening, though, yeah. What's most disheartening, though, is when we have these governor's calls, they're all praising the president. Thank you so much for getting everything you need. Mr. President, I've never seen anything like this. And then they go on television and say, oh, no, it's horrible. We're not getting anything we need. And that's absolutely ridiculous. We know what they yeah. wanted because everyone was scared at the time. But it was more important was what, what do you need? You say you need 100,000 of this, but our, our estimates show you don't have any cases. Why would we send you 100,000? If you want 1,000, we'll send you that. And then we'll have some more tie, to tide you over. But there were hot spots like New York and New Jersey that needed things immediately. And, of course, as you know, the media is not going to cover it fairly. But that's why I'm on your show, to make sure the word gets out. We appreciate you, Hogan. Thank you. Make sure you get back to Little Rock, get some real sweet tea and some cheese dip. We love you, brother. Have a good one. Will do. Thank you, man. All right. We've got Cassie uh, Smedley coming up from the RNC when we return. <laughs> 